Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Reed Detmers might, might just be an ace. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, August 1st. Welcome in. Frank Stample joined by Scott White today on the show. Waiver wire ads and drops. Julio Rodriguez unfortunately went to the IL, so we'll help you find some replacements there. Some save sources emerging ahead of the trade deadline and much more. Before we get into all that, Scotty, just got to let you know, you put me back on Better Call Saul. I was like bunkered down all weekend. I am almost caught up and it is amazing. So just I am not as far along as you. I'm, I'm just a few episodes behind you. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of season six, which is the final season, the current season. And, um, you know, based on how high the next couple episodes are rated on IMDb. I'm in for a treat the next time I get around to watching it, probably after the trade deadline has passed. Uh, but yes, I have very much enjoyed my binge of Better Call Saul. Of course, I'm a Breaking Bad fan. How can you not be? But it's just interesting how different tonally Better Call Saul is, especially since like Saul Goodman was the most cartoonish character on Breaking Bad. And, and so you thought, there'd be like, I, I don't know. You th- I, I thought maybe they'd lean into that more, but it was just, it was just, and, and I know it's gotten more intense toward the end of it, but it just wasn't nearly the, it wasn't like a white knuckle thrill ride the way Breaking Bad was from start to finish. It was like, it kind of eased into that and really developed his backstory in a way that makes him seem, you know, less like a cartoon and more like a person. And it's just been, I don't know. It's just been a good in a way that's unexpected and, Really enjoyed it. It was. It's been awesome so far, man. Yeah, I'm nearly caught up to to where Better Call Saul is at. But Vince Gilligan, man, th- this guy just he has a knack for storytelling and, and creating like anxiety within the viewer. It's it's awesome. So for anyone out there, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, please go do it. And then after that, watch Better Call Saul because it is amazing. All right, let's talk about baseball. Oh my good goodness gracious! Oh my goodness, Scott, you get the breadstick once again. Yep. No, I love the breadstick. <laughs> I am consuming this breadstick known as Reed Detmers, who had best start of his major league career. Looked like the majority of his minor league starts, though, actually. This has been, you know, the, the kinds of numbers he put up here on Sunday or what he routinely did during the little bit of time he spent in the minors, mostly last year, but then he also had that 16 strikeout effort this year. Anyway, strikeout 12. Strikeout 12 in seven innings. And uh, against the Rangers, granted, it was the Corey Seagerless Rangers, and the Corey and the Rangers lineup isn't amazing even with Corey Seager. But you know, there are worse lineups too. So he got 12 strikeouts. He got 24 swinging strikes on 105 pitches. Uh, Ten of them came on 28 sliders. Remember that was the pitch he fixed during that one that that very short minor league trip where he, he seemed to fix the slider. He picked up a two and a half miles per hour on it since returning. And now in four starts since returning, Reed Detmers has 113 ERA, 0.92 whip, 11.6 K per nine. Yeah, that K per nine obviously inflated a bit by this start, but still all four starts have been very good. Very good. And he looks like he's living up to his potential as a prospect. Now here's the problem because a lot of people... You know, obviously, I commented on this start on Twitter, and a lot of people were like, oh, Detmers are this guy, Detmers are that guy. Detmers has now exceeded last year's inning total by 20 already. 
82 this year, 62 last year. Uh, that's combining majors and minor leagues. And that's that makes you wonder how many he has left. Now, the, the Angels go six-man already, so that's going to space out his starts more. Maybe they're able to get him through... Mm. You know, maybe maybe they'll get him through August, but I doubt we'll see him much in September if they do. And and there's a possibility that they just make his starts shorter from this point forward, in which case, you know, it doesn't really matter how well he's pitching. He's just not going to be an impactful player in fantasy. So, you know, I, I, I'm definitely excited about Reed Detmer's future prospects in a way I very much wasn't a month ago, you know? But... Practically speaking, in a redraft scenario, how valuable is he? You know, he should be he should be rostered, but like uh, him versus Aaron Ashby, him versus Brady Singer. You know, I'd probably rank them Ashby, uh, Ashby Detmer Singer, but it's like it's closer than you'd think because of that concern over Detmer's innings. Another waiver wire pitcher, Nick Lodolo. Another great start here on Sunday. Back-to-back quality starts, albeit against the Marlins and the Orioles. He went six innings, one run, seven strikeouts to two walks. He had 17 swinging strikes in this start. He's 57% rostered, and at the Brewers this week, I know that you know the overall numbers haven't looked great, and he hasn't really put together many great starts yet, but I see a lot of potential there with Lodolo as well. Scott, do you have any concerns when it comes to innings for him as well? I, I know I feel like he didn't throw, he didn't pitch much last year either. Um, where is Lodolo in regards to these other pitchers as well, like Detmers and Singer and Ashby? Uh, you know what? I need to make a correction, a uh, pretty big correction actually. Somebody in the comments pointed it out to me, and I am confirming it. And I guess in the article I wrote last week, I put it I put it down wrong there, and was just trusting in that Detmers between the majors and minors, got to 82 and two-thirds innings last year and is now right at 82. So he has not surpassed last year's innings total by 20. And so I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little more optimistic now that he's going to make it. Uh, I'm not saying they're not going to control his innings at all down the stretch, but you know that, that makes rostering him less risky, I would say. There is still the fact that he's in a six-man rotation, and so how many two-star weeks is he going to get? You know, is, is he somebody you're going to want to use in many one-star weeks? Shallow leagues, maybe not, but yeah, I would put him. I would put him ahead of Aaron Ashby at this point, given that Ashby kind of had a stinker here on Sunday. All right. Well, back to Lodolo. Yes. Do we have? Uh, I feel like we have innings concerns for him as well. Yes. I will check what I put in the article and hope that it's right in this case. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's exceeded last year's innings total now too. Barely, by, by like one inning. Uh, he threw only 50 and two-thirds last year, obviously spent much of, much of it injured, spent much of this year injured too. And like that's at a point where that innings total is so low that like just to put him in a position where you don't have to control his innings so tightly next year, you, you may want to push him a little harder, maybe push him to 100 innings. So he'll, he'll probably be okay. But... A definite question. I mean, just durability in general, I think, is a major question for Lodolo. But yeah, back-to-back starts, really good. Six innings in each of them, nine against the Marlins in the previous outing. It's seven. Actually, more swinging strikes, though, in this one against the the Orioles. Now, I said Marlins and Orioles for those two matches for Lodolo, so obviously favorable. He, he was a highly recommended two-star pitcher coming into this week, and it, it paid off nicely. But it's clear the guy has talent and, and pretty good stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm interested in seeing how next his next start goes. Uh, who's that against? At the Brewers for Lodolo. At the Brewers. They have so, sh- yeah, that'll, that'll be a good test. Yeah. They, they've been better offensively over the past couple of weeks. But in general on the season, the Brewers are 25th in weighted on base average against left-handed pitching. So... Uh, could prove to be a decent matchup here for Nick Lodolo. Tough place to pitch, obviously, in Milwaukee. Uh, Scott, let's put a ball on this now. You, you mentioned Detmers now ahead of Ashby. Detmers, Ashby, Singer, Lodolo. Is that the ranking for those four? I might put Lodolo ahead of Singer. Those two are very close, though. 
I think a little bit more experience, better ballpark to pitch in in Kansas City, both not great teams. It is close, you're right. I might lean with Singer just a bit, but uh, I do like both quite a bit. So, depending on who's available in your league. Uh, a couple other waiver wire pitchers from the weekend. Johnny Cueto. <laughs> Good old Johnny Cueto, man. I, rubber arm. He is just throwing pitches and throwing innings, and, and he's getting out there. He has 11 quality starts in 13 total starts this season. That is just bananas. I, I think in any categories league with quality starts, Johnny Cueto probably should be rostered. Seven innings, two runs. He only had two strikeouts. Pretty much expected at this point. He's 66% rostered. He's at the Rangers this week. Jose Quintana, back-to-back scoreless outings. He was up against the Phillies this weekend. Five and two-thirds shutout. Four hits, two walks, four strikeouts. He's got a 3.50 ERA, 1.27 whip for the season. Don't know if his next start will come with the Pirates. Sounds like they're shopping him, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Jake Odorizzi had one of his best starts of the season against the Mariners. He went seven shutout with eight strikeouts. Not really used to seeing that. He is uh, 37% rostered. And then James Caprillion has now had a very strong July. At the White Sox on Friday, six innings, one run, four strikeouts. In five July starts, a 1.93 ERA, 17 strikeouts to 10 walks. Not a great ratio there. Over 28 innings pitched. Scott, these four. Johnny Cueto, Jose Quintana, Jake Odorizzi, James Caprillion. What do you think? Well, I don't think a whole lot. At some point, I guess we maybe need to start giving Johnny Cueto credit for you know, only one once in 14 appearances has he given him more than three earned runs. So he's been very consistent for a very long time. 431 XFIP compared to that 286 ERA. It's not clear, you know, other than limiting runs, which I guess is the most important thing, but it's it's not clear how he's limiting the runs. And so that makes me very skeptical still. And treating him as nothing more than a matchups type, obviously, this latest was against Oakland. Uh, you know, I want to say I'm interested in Jake Odorizzi too, because every now and then he puts together a start like this. He gets a lot of swings and misses with his fastball, which is normally a very good quality. But in five starts since returning from the IL, he's had two starts much like this one and then three awful ones, and it's just not enough consistency there. And at some point, you got to figure the Astros are going to whittle their rotation down to, to six, uh, to, from six to five. And they and, have Lance McCullers coming soon. So. Well, that's true. And I've even heard that maybe they're shopping Odorizzi, which would probably be for the best for Odorizzi, but won't be with the Astros anymore. So, yeah, I mean, somebody to keep an eye on there is Odorizzi, but I, I think it's still not that useful now, as, except as a matchups type. All right. You know, so I was thinking, you were talking about Cueto, and I was just thinking, like, it feels like there's more just crafty veterans this year that are performing well. I, I don't know if there's anything to it, any rhyme or reason. It could be the environment that we're dealing with this season that, you know, kind of been shaded a little bit back towards pitching. But between guys like Cueto and even Wainwright's having another solid season, Miles Michaelis, Martin Perez, it's these pitchers that pitch to contact, they're just, it seems like they're having more success this year. I'd have to compare it to like previous years and other things, but it just feels that way. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, You know, the guys like Merrill Kelly and Martin Perez. Right. And just, you wouldn't expect that profile to be successful in recent years. And, And, you know, maybe with the way the environment's changed, it's allowed some of those guys to excel in ways that I still don't know that I trust on a year-to-year basis. But but we we may see them pop up and, and be able to sustain it over the course of a season anyway. All right, in deeper leagues, anything with these three. Andre Pallante had his best start of his career. He was at the Nationals on Sunday. Eight shutout innings with eight strikeouts in this one. He's 13% rostered. Bailey Falter was at the Pirates. He went six innings, two runs allowed, eight strikeouts in that one. And then Kyle Bradish made his return to the mound on Friday against the Reds. Five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts to zero walks. His overall ERA is up around seven. But his underlying numbers, you know, 3.85 XFIP, a Sierra that's below 4, 11% swinging strike rate. There's a little something there. Uh, Scott, what do you think about these three names? Obviously, very deep leagues. Palante, Falter, Bradish. 
So, I mean, obviously this is a very impressive start for Andre Piante. And I've, he like, he has an elite ground ball rate. Like, Framber, there's Framber Valdez, and then there's pitchers like Andre Piante, where it's over 60% of the time, you know? And uh, that gives him a 368 XFIP, which is not bad, considering not a big bat mister normally. Uh, you know, not not somebody who you'd who you'd think has a lot of upside. And of course, the ZRA is even better than that, right? It's low threes. So, I don't know, maybe he could be like a poor man's ranger suarez who's who's picked it up himself recently that's just you know that that skill of being able to put on the ball on the ground that consistently is a valuable one a valuable one and it can it can make up for a lack of missed bats now i'm kind of curious about bailey falter because his numbers in the minors have been so good let's see if i can pull him up here uh let's see he pitched on friday right Bailey Falter in the minors this year. Uh, oh, I thought I'd written them down. His numbers are really good in the minors. <laughs> I have uh, seven starts in the minors for Falter this season. 1.56 mm-hmm. ERA, 0.63 whip, 38 strikeouts over thir- 34 and two-thirds. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are some very impressive numbers. But has had very little success in the majors, the chance he's gotten, this start against the Pirates. Obviously, it was against the Pirates, and and it you know it it stood out as okay. Maybe we could see more of this from him, but we need to actually see it. I think before he becomes a real asset in fantasy. Plus, I, I don't I don't think he's kind of been in and out of the rotation all year. I don't think he's uh, necessarily a fixture for the Phillies. Yep, fair enough. Um, I will say in deeper leagues for Falter this week, he's going up against the Nationals, and they are quite bad against all pitching, but uh, specifically against lefties. They are 24th in weighted on base average. The dropometer, Scott, we got a lot of questions about Lance Lynn on Friday, and rightfully so. He has now made nine starts this season. He has just two quality starts, and it's the Oakland A's. Five and two-thirds innings, five runs allowed, four of those were earned. Did have eight strikeouts to zero walks, so I mean, great strikeout-to-walk ratio, but he gave up three home runs to... The lowly Oakland A's, his ERA now stands at 6.42. He's still 90% rostered. Scott, where are you at? The drop meter on Lance Lynn. I think he's still worth rostering. You know? I know he gave up three home runs in this one, but otherwise, if you can ignore the home runs, if you can ignore the three home runs he gave up, he looked pretty good. You know? Struck out eight, 16 whiffs, all of that. Yeah, I, I think he's going to... I think he's due to bounce back. In a in a in a big way. So I, I would I would put his drop ability, you know, like at a two on the drop meter, maybe a three. Would you drop him for any of the four we mentioned earlier? Detmers, Ashby, Singer, Lodolo? I mean, you probably have to drop him for Detmers at this point if if that's really the only player you have to drop for him. I would hope you'd have somebody you could drop instead. Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn is facing the Royals this week, too, so obviously that's a pretty good matchup there. It kind of just seems like he's on the bad side of variance right now. I mean, you look at his career numbers, and um, he's really outperformed his uh, underlying numbers usually. His ERA is 6.42. His XFIP is 3.66. Yeah, so. Lance Lynn actually has a better XFIP this year than he did last year, right? and uh, his swinging strike rate is about the same. So I know there's been some talk his velocity's down a little. Yep. And... You know, maybe that's making some difference, but it's not showing up in the places we'd expect it to show up. All right, let's move over to Joe Ryan. <laughs> Could have been our oh my goodness gracious player from the weekend because he got destroyed on Friday. Four and two-thirds innings, eight hits, ten runs allowed, including five home runs. His previous four starts before this, a 2.05 ERA, 0.86 whip. Scott, I, I continue to be confused. When it comes to Joe Ryan, he's supposed to have this deceptive fastball. He throws it a lot. He gives up a lot of fly balls. Usually has immaculate control. Hasn't nearly been the case this season. What do you think about Joe Ryan, the drop meter? Well, I mean, I mean there have been a lot more good starts than bad starts. Even after, let's see, so his ERA with this you know, gent- truly awful start, 10 and runs in four and two-thirds innings, it... it brought his ERA up into the 370 range, I believe. 
uh, which tells you it was going well before that. His, uh, let's see, some of the numbers have changed since I wrote them down. His XERA is 355 now, so actually better than the actual ERA. Of course, because of all the fly balls he gives up, the XFIP is very high. Uh, but the quality of contact is good. The walk rate is still good. It isn't impeccable like we saw it for much of the minors, like we saw it in the little bit we saw of him last year. He's a weird pitcher, for sure. It's a weird profile. It's always been a weird profile because the fastball, like the success for not having a very diverse arsenal, for not having an overpowering fastball, you, you wonder how he does it. And I guess sometimes there's going to be starts like this where it just doesn't work for him against a major league lineup. But, you know, I don't know that I'd be dissuaded from starting him next week. His matchup, if I remember, is a very good one against the... Tigers. Tigers, yes. The worst offense in baseball. So I don't know that I'd let this start keep me from using him. I agree. Just figured I would ask uh, following this horrible start, as we mentioned multiple times. Against the Tigers, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Starting Joe Ryan in that spot. The last one here is Nick Pavetta. He gave up four runs over five innings pitched, including 11 base runners in this start. Five July starts for Nick Pavetta. 9.38 ERA, a 2.13 whip. Tons of walks. Home runs are up. Still 81% rostered. Scott, did we finally find the one that we could drop? Nick Pavetta? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm way beyond Nick Pavetta at this point. You're good dropping him for all four of the pitchers we mentioned? Mm-hmm. I'm good dropping him for just about anyone. I agree. Let's move over to some hitters. Finally, unfortunately, Julio Rodriguez to the IL this weekend after getting hit by a pitch on his wrist. X-rays came back negative. He will not swing a bat for four to five days, uh, but a minimum length stay on the IL remains possible. How possible? Eh, I'm not so sure. If you need replacements on Scott's sleeper hitters list, Hunter Renfro is uh, available in some shallow leagues. He's 78% rostered. Another big game on Sunday. He went four for four, hit his 19th home run. Uh, Leody Tavares, also on Scott's sleeper list, 65% rostered. You know, those who play in 10-team leagues, maybe some shallower points leagues, those two names could be available. Uh, some other outfielders from the weekend Scott, how would you rank this group? Steven Kwan had five hits, including another steal. He's 61% rostered, has seven home games this week. Maybe the person who will be filling in for Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, went, uh, he got called back up, 39% rostered. And in the month of July, down in the minors, he hit 277, three homers, eight doubles, a 905 OPS, just a 16% strikeout rate. And then Randall Grichuk had three straight multi-hit games over the weekend. And uh, I do know you like the Rockies matchups this week. Eight road games for them. Uh, how do you rank these three? Quan, Jared Kelnick, Randall Grichuk. Well, if it's a points league, Quan's the easy call. But in a categories league, just doesn't provide you enough power or speed, I think, to, to be so worthwhile. And points leagues, obviously, the lack of strikeouts uh, makes him plenty usable in that format. So, you know, I'd probably take a shot on Kelnick if you needed if you needed to replace uh, Rodriguez's stats in a categories league. And he theoretically offers a power speed profile. You know, not as many stolen bases as Julio Rodriguez, but he could theoretically make contributions across the board and hopefully he's figured out some of his issues in the minors uh, after having a... Nice multiple month run chance to settle in there and uh, maybe overcome some of his issues. I don't know that we, would, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have gotten the call if Julio Rodriguez hadn't gotten hurt because they're, you know, Mitch, Mitch Hanniger's about to come off the IL. And you know what? As I say that, I wonder if he gets sent down when Mitch Hanniger comes off yeah. the IL. Some people I believe were, that's supposed to happen Friday. Some people were asking me that um, on Sunday when I, I mentioned picking up. Kelnick in, in five outfielder leagues, but yeah, you're right. Mitch Hanniger not expected back until Friday. They have some other injuries they're dealing with. I know, um, what's his name? Haggerty. I think that's his name. Uh, Sam Haggerty. Sam Haggerty. He's yeah. dealing with an injury as well. Ty France is a, is a little banged up. He's dealing with a, either wrist or forearm injury. So yeah, I mean, they, 
they're they're beat up. They they need some bats. So um, I think if Kelnick performs well throughout the week, he'll probably stick around. But you know, as soon as I say that, his return on Sunday, he went over three with two strikeouts. So it's just right. more of the same. Yeah, I mean, Kelnick. you know, you mentioned Grichik in there, and I I don't think there's much to see there. Yes, the Rockies have eight games, and the pitchers they're facing are pretty weak, but they're also all on the road. So. Now, generally, we don't love Rockies hitters on the road, especially fringy ones like that. Right. All right. Uh, in deeper leagues, maybe the deepest leagues, James Outman made a huge debut for the Dodgers on Sunday. He went three for four with a home run and three RBI uh, in the minors this season. Two seventy nine batting average, twenty one homers, eleven steals, a nine fifteen OPS between Double A AA and Triple A. His teammate, Trace Thompson, with the Dodgers, has played well recently. He went two for five on Friday with a home run. And in 37 games, he's hitting 260, four homers, 19 RBI. Aledmus Diaz, you could play him all over. He has every eligibility besides catcher. But obviously for this exercise, uh, if you need an outfielder in a deeper league, Aledmus Diaz, back-to-back three-hit games on Friday and Saturday, including three home runs during that span. And Seth Brown also hit three homers this weekend. The problem, the Oakland A's only play five games this upcoming week. Uh, Scott, what do you think about this list in deeper leagues? 15-teamers, anything deeper than that? James Outman, Trace Thompson, Aledmus Diaz, Seth Brown. (laughs) It's a nice moment for uh, James Outman. Did you see the celebration, his first major league at bat, home run, family and friends jumping up and down. Really exciting to see. I, I mean, I can't imagine anybody me ever giving anybody in my life a reason to celebrate me like that, you know? So it's really, you know, I don't want to undermine the moment, but I don't think Outman is going to be a thing in fantasy. Uh, he did hit well in the minors, 279, 21 home runs, 915 OPS, but also a 28.5% K rate against the minor league pitchers, very high. And he's a left-handed hitter on the Dodgers, you know. How consistent is the playing time going to be? So that's that's my take on James Outman. Yeah, I think you're talking about some pretty deep league options here. Seth Brown doesn't contribute much other than that power, and he doesn't get the most consistent playing time either. I mean, none of these guys play that consistently. And I just don't think there's much upside to be found here either. All right. Uh, other waiver wire hitters, not outfielders, Scott, do we think Alec Bohm is a must-add at this point? I feel like we've mentioned him so much recently and just had another massive game on Sunday. He went four for five, seventh home run of the season, three runs scored, and wraps up his July with a 434 batting average, three homers, four doubles, 14 RBI, a 1089 OPS, 58% rostered. It's a little premature to call him a must-add. Well, what didn't he do in July? He didn't hit many home runs. He hit three, right? Three? Three homers, four doubles. Uh Uh-huh. You know, he still has the issue of... I mean, the launch angle was actually pretty good for the month of July, exclusively, and yet he still didn't end up... Like, he was hitting the ball hard, obviously, hitting for high average, elevating the ball pretty well, and still not putting it over the fence. And I just don't think... You know, unless you're Luis Arias, you're not gonna, you're not gonna succeed as a corner infielder without putting the ball over the fence. That's just not gonna work. So, Bohm's gonna cool off from here. He's not gonna hit over 400 every month. I'm not saying you can't use him as a hot hand play. That's fine, but I, I don't think, I don't think he's a, like a trusted fantasy asset now. All right, fair enough. Uh, William Contreras, you know, we talk a lot about catchers and who's hot and who's not, and Contreras has played well all season, Scott. The problem is the playing time has really kind of dissipated uh, over the past month or so. He went three for four, had a double dong on Saturday. He's 59% rostered, but I don't know. I don't know how to handle William Contreras right now. What do you think? Uh, I would say he's available in one catcher leagues, but does it even matter? Uh, it matters. I mean, that's just such a weak position. I'd say he's pretty fringy in one catcher leagues. And, you know, it didn't help that he had gone very cold prior to this weekend. 
if you're if you're going to play as inconsistently as William Contreras does, you need to do better than a 185 batting average over a 20 game span, which is where he was before that three for four two homer performance Saturday. So that's part of it. I would say top 15 catcher still, and I that would make him usable sometimes in one catcher league, sure, but more of a two catcher league guy. Uh, if you need saves, Scott, there was a few names that emerged here, especially in the deeper leagues where I was uh, putting claims in Sunday night. Taylor Rogers out as the Padres closer. Bob Melvin called this, quote, a little bit of a break for Taylor Rogers. Now, if Luis Garcia steps in and just performs admirably over the next couple of weeks, I, I don't think that he will necessarily relinquish that um, closer title once again. But... Yeah, look, Garcia tossed a one, two, three, ninth inning on Sunday for his first save, and he's pitched really well all season. But there were a few other names um, that I looked at over the weekend. Pete Fairbanks picked up a save for the Rays. Uh, he had a save earlier in the week. It did come in extra innings, so not like it was a traditional save or anything. The Rays are annoying, but it's like nobody has really stepped up to kind of take that closer role. Maybe it's Fairbanks. And then for the Rangers, Brett Martin, yeah, I'm, he gave up like three more runs on Saturday night. He's... He's looked awful recently. Jonathan Hernandez picked up the save on Sunday. He was also warming up Saturday, and he was getting ready to pitch the ninth if they did have the lead. So uh, how are you prioritizing those three, Scott, if you needed saves? Luis Garcia, Pete Fairbanks, Jonathan Hernandez. I think Jonathan Hernandez is well ahead of the others. He was kind of trending toward being the Rangers' closer before having Tommy John surgery, Uh, whatever year that was. Was Was that just last year, early last year? I guess so. Um, and he's come back throwing just as hard. So I, I think, uh, I think Jonathan Hernandez could take this opportunity and run with it. As I understand it, the Padres are going to go com- by committee. You know, Luis Gar- Garcia got the first chance and maybe he'll get the majority of them while they're going by committee. But yeah, I, I mean, Bob Melvin said all the things a manager normally says when a closer who he otherwise believes in is struggling. And we have plenty of reason to think Taylor Rogers is going to bounce back. I wouldn't be so quick to drop him or anything. So I'd still rather, he's still the Padres reliever who I think needs to be rostered the most, clearly. And as for Pete Fairbanks, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Jason Adam, Brooks Raley, Colin Posh. Poche. Poche, is that how you say it? But I kind of like the way Colin Posh sounds more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any of them could get a save on any given day. I, I just don't think I just don't think Fairbanks. I you know, it's it's kind of a wild goose chase anytime you go after a raise reliever. All right. Were you speculating on any other relievers, Scott, in some of those deeper leagues? You know, maybe ahead of the trade deadline, some cubs, yeah. some cubs or Marlins relievers, something like that. Yes. So I picked up in a couple leagues uh, Joe Mantiply. Okay. Who was the Diamondbacks All Star representative this year? It's kind of similar to Melanson, like the optimal version of Melanson, where like really, like doesn't get as many strikeouts as you'd expect an All Star caliber reliever to get, but hardly walks anybody, you know, and and has been has just been the most consistent Diamondbacks reliever, I think, by far. I don't know that Melanson's going to be a big enough draw at the trade deadline to to be actually be traded, but if he is, I, I would expect Joe Mantiply to well expects a little strong, but I could see Joe Mantiply entering the role as, as kind of an early audition for next year. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to speculate on the Cubs guys. It's kind of tough because if they trade Robertson, I think it would be Michael Givens. They could trade both Robertson and Michael Givens, and. If that was the case, it probably would be Scott Efros. He's pitched well this year as, uh, also. So uh, those mm-hmm. are a few names. I had those behind the other three that I mentioned earlier, though. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Cubs. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's uh, take a break, and we will return right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes, as expected, Jacob DeGrand will officially make his debut on Tuesday against the Nationals. Obviously, make sure to get him back in your lineups. Alec Manoa exited Friday's start with a right elbow contusion after being struck by a comebacker. X-rays were negative, and he's in line to make his next start Thursday against the Twins. Trevor Story has been diagnosed with a hairline fracture in his wrist. He was initially diagnosed with a bruised right hand when he went on the I.L., July 16th. Scott, let's say you don't have any IL spots. Do you think Trevor's story is someone that you could drop? I It would have to be a pretty shallow league because okay. I don't think this is... I know it's a fracture, but they're not talking about a long-term absence since it's a fair hairline fracture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully you have an IL spot, but if you don't, you know, have to be a pretty shallow league to let him go. All right. Remember Ozzy Albies? He was uh, seen without the walking boot on Friday and is feeling really good. He It was reported a couple of weeks ago that he could return in mid to late August. Would be a nice little boost there to the second base position. Joe Musgrove agreed to a five-year, $100 million contract extension with the Padres on Friday. Good news. Get your money, Joe Musgrove. John Carlos Stanton has yet to resume baseball activities. I saw a report. You could kind of start some stuff up early, middle part of this upcoming week. He's been on the IL since July 26th with Achilles tendonitis. Daniel Bard will not be traded and instead signed a two-year, $19 million contract extension with the Rockies. This one sucks, and it uh, looks like it might never go away, Scott. Alex Kirilov left Saturday's game with right wrist soreness, the same risk that has been bothering him since last year, uh, maybe even dating back to the minors. I know he's been dealing with this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, since yeah, since since his minor league career, since before he ever debuted in the majors, he struggled in it's rough. the uh, 2019 minor league season, I want to say, with it. So yeah. it's been... And he's had surgery at this point. He ended last season early to have surgery on the wrist. And seemed like he'd maybe overcome it at AAA this year. Obviously, put up huge numbers there, which created a lot of optimism. 359 with 10 homers and an 1106 OPS in 35 games. But even then, he was talking about how he had, you know, figured out how to recapture his old swing in, in spite of the pain. And. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the pain, like obviously his production and, and, and how hard he's impacted the ball has gone down in recent weeks. And, and it just seems like the pain's affecting his swing again. And I don't know. I'm starting to get pretty worried about what it means for his career prospects. You know, if he can't get past this wrist injury, injury I don't know if there's another surgery he could have to, to maybe address it again. Uh, you would You would think... If, if it was still going to be like this, you wouldn't have signed up for the first surgery, right? Like it was supposed to fix the issue. Yeah. And it's, I hope it's not the sort of thing that, that is always there for him. I hope he can find some kind of solution. But at, at this point, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of a fantasy asset he should be right now. Yeah, I dropped him even in some 15 team leagues on, on Sunday night. It's, just I need I need bodies that are playing right now, and I just don't know when he's going to be back or when he'll be healthy. Luis Severino will start a throwing program on Monday. He's been shut down for two weeks with a lat injury. Not sure what to make of this, but Mariners president of basketball operations, Jerry Depoto, noted Friday that he and manager Scott Service would sit down and work on creative ways to make sure George Kirby, quote, stays on a regular turn and continues to contribute. Notice they said contribute, not necessarily start. So uh, he did start on Sunday. He went four innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. 
Uh, yep. But what do you think? Pitching well, and they pulled him after four innings, so that might yeah. be a sneak peek at what they're going to do with Kirby. It is. It is interesting that the Mariners have a president of basketball operations. I said basketball. You hmm. did. I wrote down baseball, but apparently, I guess I have <laughs> basketball in my mind. I don't. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Yeah, so um, like I don't know, like Kirby's innings are going to be an issue down the stretch too. Maybe this is one way of managing them. But it's it's interesting that they use. Okay, so we're going to get creative about how we use them, but we still want them to take a regular turn. So what does that mean for the rest of the Mariners? Rotate like is this going to be a true six man rotation with Kirby going four or three innings at a time? Maybe. In any case, Kirby's probably somebody you could drop for Reed Detmers. That was my next question. All right, Scott, there you go. Professional. Didn't, didn't even need to ask it. Uh, speaking of the Mariners, Mitch Hanniger could return on Friday. We mentioned that earlier. He's missed the past three months with a severe ankle sprain. Lance McCullers will make another rehab start Tuesday at AAA. He threw 52 pitches over three innings during his previous outing, 75% rostered for those in shallower leagues. After dealing with a personal issue, Eduardo Rodriguez reported to the Tigers' extended spring training facility and is expected to return around the middle of August. Chris Taylor will begin a rehab assignment on Monday. He is on the IL with a fracture in his foot. Tyler McGill will likely work out of the bullpen once he is activated, so I don't think he has much redraft value for the rest of this season, unless someone gets hurt, which is obviously possible. David Peterson... Yeah, two people would have to get hurt because of David Peterson. That's right. David Peterson was optioned to AAA on Friday. We might have our answer when it comes to Nolan Jones playing against lefties because he did not play against two lefties this weekend. So I don't know. Brian Hayes was scratched mm-hmm. Sunday due to less left knee discomfort. Matt Manning is rejoining the Tigers and will start Tuesday against the Twins. They do play seven games, so I believe he will be a two-star pitcher, but... Scott, not even I am brave enough to play Matt Manning in his return. Uh, do you have any interest in deeper leagues? No. No, no I, I Matt Manning is somebody I don't even have much interest in dynasty leagues. Like he has shown nothing in the majors so far. And and really his last year in the minors was like that too. Before his prior to his call up, I guess was it last year that he got called up? I think so. Yes, yes it was. Uh, yeah, all right. It wasn't going for him well for him in the minors either. Players who went to the IL this weekend, Trevor Rogers with lower back spasms, lower back spasms, a.k.a. he just is pitching terribly right now. Max Kepler with a fractured pinky toe, Miguel Sano with left knee inflammation, Jock Peterson to the seven-day concussion IL. All right, Scott, we've got a lot of banged-up players. Do we leave these guys in our lineup? Freddie Peralta... Not necessarily banged up, but he is making his return on Tuesday at the Pirates. Uh, That is their first game, six games this week. So I think Peralta will make two starts, Pirates and Reds. Yeah, sure seems like it. And so I would would suggest starting him if that's the case. I'd, I'd like to see him get his feet under him first, but you can't pass up the two start opportunity. Especially with those matchups too, right? Pirates and Reds like that. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. left on Sunday after getting hit by a pitch on his hand. Not believed to be serious. Obviously, we could use more information, but uh, what do you think, Scott? Any early takeaways for Bobby Witt? Uh, Unless we hear more, I'd lean towards starting him. Doesn't sound serious, as you said. All right. Tim Anderson was suspended three games for making contact with an umpire on Friday. He is appealing the decision, but could miss a couple of games this week. What do you think about Tim Anderson? Yeah, I mean, we don't know when the appeal is going to be heard, so I, I think you have to keep starting him for now. Corey Seager has missed three straight with a leg contusion. Could land on the IL. What do you think? I would avoid him right now since they are. there's talk of the IL for Seager. Mm-hmm. Are you totally sure Freddie Peralta is starting on Tuesday? I'm trying to find confirmation for this. I'm pretty sure that it was a news item on our website. Okay. But outside of that, uh, because let me let me see what MLB.com has because they're usually the most reliable with probable pitchers. They they leave a lot of TBAs, so when they put one there, you can pretty much when they put an actual name there, you can pretty much bank on it. So let me check on that. The yeah, the CBS News item has Freddie Peralta will return from his rehab assignment and join the Brewers during the upcoming series in Pittsburgh, which begins on Tuesday. So. 
Maybe that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be back uh, on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that phrasing makes me think he's not actually going to return on Tuesday itself, which would not, like, he'd have to come back Tuesday to be a two-star pitcher right away, so. Right. In, in 12 teams or fewer uh, leagues of that size, you know, maybe go ahead and give Freddie Peralta a start to to get his to get his legs under him, to make sure he's, you know, truly fit as a fiddle and ready to be a reliable pitcher for you. Yeah, MLB.com has Corbin Burns going Tuesday. So, All right. Uh, a couple other names here. Chris Bryant left Sunday with left foot soreness. He's playing through plantar fasciitis. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Start or sit this week? I am going to say probably start unless you know unless you happen to have a great third base alternative. I think this is this plantar fasciitis is something he's going to be managing from this point forward. All right. Uh, a couple other trades this weekend. Nothing major yet. Obviously Luis Castillo, Chris and I did an emergency podcast. If anything else big happens, Montas, uh Juan Soto obviously, Wilson Contreras like, you know, we'll fire back up, but uh the biggest trade was probably David Peralta who was moved over to the Tampa Bay Rays. He's 26% rostered. Uh Scott, I don't know how much interest you have in David Peralta. I think the bigger takeaway here is I saw our buddy, the Welsh, speculate that we could see Corbin Carroll with the Diamondbacks in September. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I included him in my five on the verge in the latest prospects report. That was even before the David Peralta trade. Uh, at one point, I think it was late June, Diamondbacks management said we wouldn't see Corbin Carroll before he got to AAA. So, like, he wasn't going to skip AAA to join the majors. Well, now he's at AAA, and he's, at least last I looked, he was still performing well. So, they haven't commented that he couldn't be of this year, just that he wouldn't skip AAA. Now, it, it would be weird. I don't know if weird's the right word, but you don't see it as often these days, the, a prospect as high profile as him coming up and joining the roster in September. But I think the upside is so high for Corbin Carroll that uh, you could justify stashing him in a five outfielder league just in case it does happen. Especially for a team that's not really playing for anything, you know. It's if the Diamondbacks were in the wild card race, maybe you know they they need to add yeah. to their offense and and they they call up Corbin Carroll as a result of that. But I don't know. I don't know how much incentive it is for them. You know, maybe they they want to get you know some at-bats here for him this season, and then he can kind of take that into next year. It depends, however they're viewing this situation. But Corbin Carroll, 13 games at AAA so far. He's hitting 261, three homers, six steals, 987 OPS. Uh, (laughs) He's been awesome all season in the minors, so... Uh, yes, his whole I, minor league career. Like, yeah. he's, it's less. It's, it's about 120 games uh, across. What is it? Four years. Obviously, 2020. There are no stats for that. And then he missed a lot of last year with an injury. But like, he's just breezed through the minors in spite of all that. Those missed. Uh, those missed reps and just like dominated at every level. Yeah, really did. Uh, a couple of pitchers duels this weekend and. Two names who could be out there in some shallower leagues. Marcus Stroman against Alex Cobb on Friday night. Stroman went six shutout, eight hits, one walk, three strikeouts. And his velocity was up a little bit in the start. He's 62% rostered and at the Cardinals this week. Alex Cobb, finally, some uh, results. He was going up against the Cubs. Six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts to just one walk. He's got an ERA over four. His XFIP is 2.82. And he's got a 62% ground ball rate. So that is massive. He's 71% mm-hmm. rostered uh, up against the Dodgers this week. So don't really love that matchup. What do you think here, Scott? Stroman versus Cobb. I like them both. They, they both are under rostered. I've pointed out before that Stroman had one really bad start before going on the IL. And uh, if you take that out, then his, his ERA would be in the low threes. It'd be basically right in line with his XFIP, which is very good. And Cobb... I don't have as much trust in Cobb as I do in Stroman, but I think the upside's higher. And I think he showed it in this start against the Cubs. That splitter misses a lot of bats and, and gets a lot of ground balls when it doesn't, and that's a great combination. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying I'd activate him against the Dodgers, Alex Cobb, but he needs to be rostered in more than than uh, oh, 71% of leagues. Yeah, I'd say he needs to be rostered in more than that. I saw somebody in the YouTube chat, even before we started, 
they asked Alex Cobb or Reed Detmers. What do you think there? Detmers. Right. Detmers. I, I mean, if I could, I could see a scenario where Cobb ends up being better than Detmers down the stretch, but like Detmers is the higher priority right now. Sure. Uh, all right. On Saturday, we had a, another pitcher's duel. Ranger Suarez at Mitch Keller. Suarez went six shutout with eight strikeouts to one walk. He had 15 swinging strikes. He has allowed zero earned runs in three starts since returning from the IL. And then Mitch Keller went six innings, one run, three strikeouts to three walks. And 11 starts now since rejoining the Pirates rotation. 3.32 ERA, 3.68 XFIP, 51% ground ball rate. Not a bunch of whiffs, strikeouts there for uh, Mitch Keller, but he is performing right now. 22% rostered at the Orioles this week. Scott, Ranger Suarez up against Mitch Keller. I'd rather have Suarez. In three July starts, he's allowed 11 hits, no earned runs, and 16 innings. 16 strikeouts to two walks. And and the walks seem to be a big thing for him. Like When he's hitting his spots with that, with that sinker, I mean, he's he's really difficult to beat. We saw it down the stretch last year. It's the reason I was so high on him coming in. Remember, he got off to a late start in spring training. And uh, I think he's he's just needed a while to round it a form. Now, I say this after telling everybody to drop him a couple weeks ago. And I'm, you know, I'm basing it on a small sample, obviously. But his ground ball rate has gone up quite a bit in a short amount of time. It's It's nearing where it was last year. At this point, and I think I think there's a good chance Suarez is a reliable option down the stretch. Keller's gotten better, but like if he's going to lean on the ground ball profile, I especially with the Pirates, I just I don't know that he's going to be good enough to really be that useful. All right, Ranger Suarez, by the way, Sparp eligible. So for those in points leagues, you might want to make him a priority if he's available. And he is up against the Nationals this week, which is a great matchup, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, One more pitcher's duel from Sunday this time. Neither is available in terms of waivers, but Merrill Kelly at Max Freed. Both were awesome. Merrill Kelly, seven shutout innings with... Eight strikeouts in this one, 15 swinging strikes. Had an awesome July. Six starts, 1.31 ERA, 0.77 whip, 33 strikeouts over 41 and a third innings pitch. That is Merrill Kelly. And then Max Freed on the other side went seven shutout with five strikeouts. And of course, his numbers for the season still look amazing. He's got 24 walks over, uh, it's got to be like 20 starts now. So the control has just been amazing for Max Freed. Uh, Scott, what do you think here from Kelly and Freed? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Merrill Kelly earlier as one of those profiles that hasn't played in in recent years. It hasn't been more than a fringe option in fantasy, and yet he's he's he his numbers just keep getting better to better. His his July was awesome, um, and now I mean. FIP is the ERA estimator I tend to cite the most, but if you look at just regular FIP, if you look at XERA, which is more of a quality of contact measure, they're right in line with his ERA. They're they're low threes, so they're backing up what he's doing. Yeah, month of July, 131 ERA and .77 whip in six starts, all of them quality starts. You know, I, I think he's probably due for a bad outing, but I think at this point also Merrill Kelly is is a rock-solid part of your pitching staff. All right, starters sit these two pitchers. Uh, obviously went in opposite directions this weekend. Robbie Ray, he needs to get away from the Houston Astros. Back-to-back starts against them where he has given up 10 earned runs, uh, four walks to four strikeouts, over five and two-thirds innings pitched. Normally I would say, all right, look, he's a top 20 starting pitcher. You're starting him. He's at the Yankees this week, which is the best team against left-handed pitching. Scott, what mm. do you think? Are you still rolling Robbie Ray out there? Well, it's not a flat no. I think it depends what else you have. I could understand pitching, uh, sitting him after a start this bad uh, against an opponent that that's tough. But I do think the Astros just have his number, which the Astros having your number when you're a pitcher, that's got to make you a little suspicious. But anyway, in nine starts <laughs> against the Astros, Robbie Ray has a 686 CRA, a 184 whip. Those are his highest numbers against any team. So, you know, he had def- he had been on the right track 
you know, incorporating that sinker a lot more, throwing more strikes and still getting a lot of strikeouts. I, I still trust him in the long run, but I could understand sitting him with this matchup. For what it's worth, Robbie Ray, obviously pitching with the Blue Jays last year. And look, it's different one year to the next, but uh, three starts against the Yankees last year, 6.60 ERA. So not sure that I love that one. Ian Anderson. Yeah, you know, Scott, he must have been listening because he uh, bounced back with one of the best starts of the season. Maybe yeah. even one of his best of his career. He was awesome uh, against the Diamondbacks. Six shutout innings, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. Got whiffs on all three of his pitches in this start. Um, I didn't really see anything differently in terms of the pitch mix or velocity. He just threw his pitches for strikes, which he often struggles with. So uh, the overall number is still very bad for Ian Anderson. He's at the Mets this week. I don't think I would start him, but obviously this no. is a very encouraging start. It is. And like right after I was coming down really hard on him. Like, <laughs> why is he so rostered? They're going to replace him with Kyle Muller. And uh, yeah, he now he said he credited just throwing with more conviction. Um, he also threw his curveball more that third pitch. The spin was way up on it, by the way, which probably goes into throwing with more conviction. So it sounded like maybe he was nibbling less. Maybe he was airing it out a little more and the results were good. And one thing I have said about Ian Anderson every time we've talked to him this year is like he, he should be better than he is. And uh, hopefully this is the start of a turnaround. But I agree. He can't, I'm not ready to trust him against the Mets. All right, some leftovers from the weekend. We'll quickly run through some hitters, some standouts in the outfield. Aaron Judge, this is just this is getting pretty crazy now. Three more homers this weekend, including a double dong on Friday. He now is up to 42 home runs by the end of July, which is the most by any Yankees hitter ever through July, which, I mean, the history of the Yankees, it's pretty crazy what Aaron Judge is doing right now. Byron Buxton went two for three with a sock and a shoe on Saturday. His 26th home run, his third steal of the season. Would be nice if we could get some more steals out of Buxton. Jerkson Profar had a sock and a shoe on Sunday. His 11th home run, his fifth steal. Anthony Santander had a big weekend himself. Seven hits, including two more homers. He's now up to 18 home runs for the season, and he had a very big July. 316 batting average, five, five homers, seven doubles, 17 RBI for Anthony Santander. In the infield, Anthony Rizzo hit two more homers this weekend. He's now up to 25, his most since 2019, and he uh, could push for his career high, which is 32 home runs for Anthony Rizzo. Matt Chapman hit two more homers. He's now up to 20. Austin Riley, a monster game on Friday, three for four with two doubles, 29th home run. He's now batting 301 for the season, and... I think he's working his way into MVP discussion, Scott, which is like, Mm -hmm. shout out to Austin Riley. He's been amazing. Um, Well, and he was, in terms of war, he was the best, Braves' best player last year, too. He was, he was, probably should have gotten, well, he did get some MVP consideration. Mm -hmm. And uh, two years in a row of that, I mean, he looks like a legit stud in this league. Francisco Lindor had back-to-back three-hit games, including a home run on Saturday. He wraps up a big July himself, 320 batting average, five homers, two steals, a uh, 14 RBI, 933 OPS. Salvador Perez returned this weekend. He had two big three-run homers, one off of Garrett Cole, and then a go-ahead shot off of Clay Holmes on Sunday. It's good. Good to see uh, Salvador Perez looks healthy. Jonathan India had a big weekend, seven hits, including a home run on Saturday. And Marcus Semien had a big weekend himself, five hits, one homer, two steals. Since the start of June, how about this? Marcus Semien's hitting 277, 13 homers, 13 steals in 53 games. <laughs> that is a crazy pace. So, uh, yeah, after a slow start, Marcus Semien has really, yeah. really picked I up. Mean- I wonder how much of that is just the environment improving for hitters. Like it, he's right on on the right at the threshold where uh, the ball carrying a little better makes a huge difference for somebody like him. I mean, we won't have a better we'll we'll have a better idea of that next year, obviously. But that, it makes me wonder because yeah, Simeon looks like exactly what you drafted him to be. All of a sudden, some other pitching standouts worth mentioning. Part one, Justin Verlander makes it six straight quality starts, seven plus innings in four of those. He went seven and two thirds, one run, five strikeouts. Shane Bieber back on track at the Rays, seven innings, one run, 
eight strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes. That was awesome. Brandon Woodruff now has eight plus strikeouts in five of six starts since returning from the IL. Uh, and Julio Arias had a strong start at Coors Field, seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts for him. Uh, Scott, anything that stood out for Verlander, Bieber, Woodruff, Arias? I would say no, not really. <laughs> they were great. Uh, uh, I mean, the fact that Bieber's velocity was up a little was nice to see. We've been waiting yeah. all year for that, but it still wasn't last year. You know, it still wasn't what it was last year. Yeah, both the fastball and curveball were up one mile per hour each in that start for Shane Bieber. Like to see it. Pitching standouts part two. Framber Valdez makes it 17 straight quality starts. He went seven innings, three runs, seven strikeouts against the Mariners. Uh, Joe Musgrove went six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts against the Twins. Kyle Wright, four straight quality starts for him. He was up against the Diamondbacks, six and two-thirds, two runs, five strikeouts. And Carlos Carrasco, uh, he is back on track. Three straight scoreless outings for him. He was at the Marlins, seven and two-thirds, shutout, four hits, two walks, seven strikeouts for him. Anything with this group, Scott? Carrasco, Kyle Wright, Joe Musgrove, Framber Valdez. Carrasco, as you said, appears to be back on track with three straight scoreless starts. His ERA has gone from 485 to 379 in July. He still has an XFIP lower than that, 352. And, you know, might might be looking a little more reliable down the stretch. He's been a difficult pitcher to size up all year. By the way, like, Kyle Wright, you know, we've had our doubts about him at times too, but he's just been, he's been so reliable all year. I believe his 12 wins, it might be tied for the major league lead. And, uh, you know, you look at the ERA estimators, they're all, you know, right, right there with his ERA around three. ZRA is a little lower than three, actually. But, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like the real deal. Mm, all right, I'm pulling up the... I wanted to pull up the wins leaders real quick to see where he is at on the list. And oh, he's 13. 13 wins. Tied for the major league lead, it looks like. Uh, I think Verlander... I'm seeing Verlander with 14, so... Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. NL lead. My yeah, bad. NL lead. Uh, all right, yeah, Kyle Wright has been great. Pitching standouts part three, Blake Snell, strong start versus the Twins. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes. Didn't really change much, just threw his pitches for strikes. Theme there between him and uh, Ian Anderson. Miles Michaelis picked up his 14th quality start at the Nationals. Seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts in that one. Tyler Malley, back-to-back quality start since returning from the IL. Up against the Orioles, six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. And then... Martin Perez just keeps rolling along at the Angels. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts for him. What do you think, Scott? Martin Perez, Mally, Michaelis, Snell. Yes, I would say uh, Perez is another one who, if you, you know, we keep waiting for him to fall off, and he doesn't really. And we're late enough into the season now that I think he's, he pretty much has my trust. I'm not going to be particularly high on him going into next year, but he's fine for right now. And Snell. Snell might be putting himself back in the circle of trust as well. We'll see. It's a little it's a little harder to trust him. But you know, he's he clearly deserves to be and uh, it's clearly must rostered again when I had my doubts about that earlier this year. All right, so you just put um Blake Snell kind of in the circle of trust, which means He's going to give up like eight runs no, this week. He's not <laughs> in the circle of trust. To be clear, I said he is you know, he's trying to make his way back into it. All right, all right. We're getting closer. Pitching standouts part four, I swear. This is the last group I have. Jose Barrios uh, up against the Tigers. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. He had a strong July uh, as well. He made six starts, 3.0 ERA, 1.17 whip for him. Aaron Ola, great start at the Pirates. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts to one walk. He has 18 walks over 138 and two-thirds innings. That is Aaron Ola. Control has been amazing. Dylan Cease up against the A's. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts there. And Carlos Rodon, just a ridiculous start. Sunday Night Baseball against the Cubs. Seven shutout, two hits, zero walks, ten strikeouts. Talks that, you know, Rodon could be shopped right now for the Giants as well. So uh, see if anything Mm -hmm. happens there. But Barrios, Nola, Cease, Rodon. 
in Tout Wars, there's this like roundtable discussion that's uh, people who participate in Tout Wars are encouraged to uh, to submit to every week, and and one of them. The one this week was, who do you have more faith in rest of season? Jose Barrios, Lucas Giolito, or Trevor Rogers? And I kind of felt like Jose Barrios doesn't deserve to be listed with those two anymore because he has just, he's looked like Jose Barrios again in July for the month of three ERA, 117 with 10.5K per nine in his six July starts. And uh, I know the season long numbers are much worse, but I would say Jose Barrios is definitively back in the circle of trust. Yes. For what it's worth, uh, I responded to that tout table and I said Jose Barrios. Um, (laughs) It was just kind of like by default because uh, Giolito, there's so much going on right now. And obviously Trevor Rogers on the IL. Shane McClanahan, human after all, you know, his 13 straight quality starts ended on Sunday. He gave up five runs over four and a third. Just wanted to mention something to watch here. Obviously, we're talking about the innings a lot with him. His fastball velocity was down 1.6 miles per hour in this start, Scott. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried, but it's on my radar. I'm paying attention. Yeah, he's now an inning and a third short of last year's total. And you know the, the Rays are going to have to manage his inning somehow down the stretch. I mean, especially if they have their eyes on the playoffs and him being a big contributor. I don't know how exactly they're going to do it. I'd be careful about trading McClanahan. You know, I don't want to sell low on him, but I do think it's at least worth exploring. All right. A couple of bullpen updates. We spoke about relievers earlier, uh, but for the Cubs on Friday, they had a one-run lead. Scott Efros in the seventh, Michael Givens in the eighth, uh, David Robertson entered in the ninth. He had a four-run lead at the time. He did give up two runs. Uh, it seems like that's kind of the pecking order right now. Efros, Givens, and then David Robertson. For Tampa Bay, I mentioned on Saturday, Pete Fairbanks picked up his second save of the season. For the Astros on Saturday, Ryan Presley entered with a one-run lead. He gave up two runs, took his fourth blown save and third loss of the season. On the other side, Paul Sewald pitched a clean ninth for his 13th save for the Mariners. Nationals on Saturday, Kyle Finnegan recorded the final five outs for his fourth save. If you need saves... 25% rostered is Kyle Finnegan, so just widely available right now. Uh, we mentioned with the Rangers, Brett Martin got rocked on Saturday, and then on Sunday, Jonathan Hernandez picked up his first save. And for the Yankees on Sunday, Clay Holmes entered with a one-run lead. He gave up a three-run homer to Salvador Perez. And Holmes just looks a little bit more vulnerable recently, so we'll see. He, hopefully. Had, a, he had another ugly outing a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so his July, just basically on those two outings, his July ERA was like seven. Yep. So I'm I'm not that concerned, but it yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. By the way, you mentioned Seawald got a save Saturday, I believe. On Sunday, he was back to work in the eighth inning. So yeah. it remains it remains pretty messy for the Mariners. All right. Well, that's <laughs> been their MO the past couple of years for Seattle, unfortunately. To stream or not to stream on Monday, Domingo Herman versus the Mariners, Marco Gonzalez at the Yankees, Spencer Watkins at the Rangers, and Brad Keller at the White Sox. Don't have a lot of faith in him, but I think Domingo Herman is the top choice there. All right. On Tuesday, we have Graham Ashcraft at the Marlins, Braxton Garrett versus the Reds, Chris Archer versus the Tigers. Keegan Thompson at the Cardinals, Jordan Lyles at the Rangers, Spencer Howard versus the Orioles, Cutter Crawford at the Astros, and Brady Singer at the White Sox. I like Singer, Braxton Garrett, and Graham Ashcraft in that order. I like all three more than Domingo Herman. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.